Hey guys, uh, number one podcast in the world, um, the last set. Now, uh, I want to break down the last UFC fight night uh, yesterday. Which that was, was the spinning back elbow that was held around, which was heard around the world. Oh yeah, I mean, I didn't see, I honestly thought um, Reyes was going to pull that, uh, pull the win out. Like, I knew it was going to be tough. I knew it was going to be a war. Yeah. Um, I know Reyes is much more than just a left hand, which is what he was kind of like made out to be, especially after the John Jones fight. But um, I knew Yeri was really good. Yeah. I knew he was really good. Yeah. But the reason why I picked Reyes was, I mean, Prochaska's, he's, this is, was his second fight in the UFC, and his second fight is Dominic Reyes, who was essentially the uncrowned light heavyweight champion because a lot of people f- believed he beat John Jones. Um, although I, I was one of them. I was one of those people. Yeah, and, and, and that, that that's why we thought um, Yuri, amazing, talented yeah. um, fighter, but kind of unproven. Came through Ryzen, and there's nothing wrong with Ryzen. Yeah. However, when you move from you know the more Japanese circuit, and you've moved in into the the top echelon of uh, the the MMA, yeah, is that you know he's a little bit unproven now. He's proved himself. Yeah. Uh, he did get rocked by Reyes at one point. Yeah. However, uh, and I was impressed by Reyes' chin because he took so much... Um, he took so much damage. Prochaska took a less... He took less volume than he did in his previous fight uh, because before he was kind of like just... He's obviously got very good head movement, but he's trying to bait you. He's trying yeah. to bait you as much as he can. And it looked like he was doing the same thing with Reyes, but his movement was a lot better. And I think his guard was a lot better. Um, but honestly, like, he's very, uh, he's a very interesting character and I like him a lot. He's, uh, he's, he's actually, you know, when they have, uh, they've got a little bit, they half know English, like their English is pretty good, oh, but it's yeah. not perfect. So they make a lot of like mistakes, and they say some funny stuff when they don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. And he, he was like at the at the press conference, they were he, they were asking asking him questions, um, like was it any different with with crowds? And he was like, "What the fuck? What are you saying?" And he, <laughs> and, and they were like, and they were like people, humans. And he was like, "Ah, <laughs> I actually like." I think he's a very interesting character, and I think that's exactly what the light heavyweight division needs. Yeah, I think he's a very, very likable guy. One hundred percent. He's definitely bring a good, um, a big persona um, into the cage because you know I don't think I remember the last time where he did, anyone did that. You know that hairstyle that he did. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. I mean, there was a few theories on where it came from, but he never really spoke about it. Yeah. I just thought. His there, ca- his no one really questioned. Yeah, that. I just thought his personality and his hairstyle made him look like Boo or yeah, Kid Boo from Dragon Ball Z. Z. <laughs> so I put that up on our Instagram. Um, I think a lot of people agreed because, like, he, he looks he's so he's such a he's a wild character, but yeah. he's very. Uh, don't don't get me wrong. Like, he's he's very good, and I and he's been proving himself a little bit more now. Now that he's, he's fought Dominic Reyes, now the next fight afterwards. Um, I could see him finding Alexander Rakic for yeah. sure. Well, just, just because where the John Blackowich with Glover to share is yeah. at, I think the I think the next step is Alexander Rakic. Well, one um, thing that's so crazy is that how quickly he's risen. He literally has only had two fights within the UFC. But one thing that is so impressive about him is his record. I think he's only had two fights. Of it, two of his fights go to decision. I think he had twenty five something. Yeah, it, twenty something. Prior fights. to this fight, he had a ninety six percent finish yeah, rate, which is crazy, especially for a light heavyweight as well. And not that, but for a light heavyweight, he's got an insane gas tank and insane volume striker. I mean, the way that he sets up his strikes and sets up his uppercuts and his teeps, like he's definitely got that really phenomenal kickboxing background. But the issue is that one thing, the reason why I, ho- I hope he doesn't get pushed too soon is because we haven't seen any of his, re- we haven't really seen much of his wrestling. That was the other thing I wanted to come yeah. come to is Dominic Reyes, look, doesn't come from a wrestling background, but, Correct, but yeah. took down, um, took him down quite, yeah. quite. I believe it was in the first round, took him yeah. down. Um, and the year he didn't have too many answers other than kind of just muscle his way out. We yeah. know he's incredibly explosive, right? Mm-hmm. And we've we in the UFC, you know, in other and other organizations like that you might not be able to say the same thing, but in the UFC, we haven't seen him go the distance. Like we haven't seen how far that amazing gas tank in those first yeah. or two rounds go. So, how does it go when someone is a little bit more durable at light heavyweight 
in the third and the fourth and the fifth round. What changes about his output? Will he be, you know, doing the same game plan, being really, really explosive across five rounds? I'm yeah. not too sure, especially when you include how he resisted the, the takedowns. You know, Reyes went for a takedown, took him down, and he didn't really have too many, you know, it, it didn't really do that that much at that point. And then he kind of just muscled his way out, which does work, right? It does work. However, in those later rounds, and especially with someone who comes from a wrestling background, unlike Dominic Reyes, mm. I would question if that that is going to be the same thing. You know, we saw with Israel Adesanya, incredibly dynamic striker. But when he, he got taken down by Jan Blackwich, who was a bigger, more durable man, yeah. could... He, like, did Izzy have as many answers as we would have hoped? No. 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 Even though he does have the Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, jiu background being a purple belt. Um, I hope that Yiri just continues to grow because he's very interesting to watch. I think his striking is incredibly dynamic. He's similar to a Tony Ferguson where he's very unorthodox. Yeah, and he and he and him. he hits on the fly. He's yeah. very creative. And I think that's why he had his hairstyle. He said his I catch lots of ideas. He's just he has the cardio and he has the striking ability, especially his reach. He has really long reach. Um that just manages to catch people. His creativity manages to, you know, I think th I think that fight could have gone a different way if it'd been taken into the fourth or fifth round when it when that happens with Dominic Reyes, right? I thought that Yiri was starting to slow down and Dominic was starting to even though he was absorbing a lot of punishment, Dominic Reyes is dependable that he can continue in the third and the fourth and the fifth round, right? He just got caught with a an amazing sp uh, spinning uh spinning elbow similar to the one um that not a spinning elbow but an elbow from Yair Rodriguez against the Korean zombie. It just, you don't see it coming. And at light heavyweight, you do not think that someone like Yuri Prochaska is not going to knock you out with something, or something like that. That spinning elbow just came from nowhere. It just and came, yeah, pr pretty much. It's, it's rare perfect. even to get a spinning, uh, spinning uh, elbow knockout as well these days. It's, cause it's a massive risk because, you know, they don't want to expose their back and, but it's a good point when you got them up against the cage. John Jones used to use it all the time yeah. when uh, he was in the clinch and they were about to break. And a lot of people, when they break, they'll they'll hit them with a hook or something like yeah. that. He would turn because if they're if they're up against the cage in the clinch, if they're turning to the if they're going to their right or your left, you can just quite easily spin and go for either a spinning elbow or a spinning back fist. Back fists are kind of bit funny because if they do wrap around someone's head you can quite easily hyperextend your elbow but those spinning elbows they're the shots that you don't see mm -hmm. and people walk straight into them and that's exactly what Reyes did circled over to his right or Yuri's left Yuri turned boom hit him with this the spinning elbow with his right hand or his right arm yeah boom lights out and he just slumped down and he didn't look like I think a lot of people, on t I was looking on Twitter, tons of people were going, damn, I hope race is okay. The way he fell on his neck yeah, was not was, okay. Yeah, it wasn't clean. It yeah, wasn't clean. It wasn't clean. Uh, however, one thing we can all agree now is that he's definitely put an, uh, a mark on himself. He's in the top five now. He's uh, dominant because he needs to make sure that he again, I, I can't stress this enough, that he's not pushed too soon. So many times we've had fighters come from different organizations and they get pushed incredibly soon especially with now that we haven't really seen his scrappling game because if he goes up again even though Glover Teixeira is next um to fight it's confirmed he's gonna fight uh Jan Blakowicz if he were to fight Glover Teixeira and he's like oh let's see how good your wrestling is and then takes him down and and then he's on the ground and Glover's gonna be like oh and he's just gonna play with him and he's gonna smother him and then there's a hype train mm. that's gone down so that's why I feel like, you know, we brought up him finding Alexander Rakic. It has to be the fight to make. Well, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Jan Blakowicz versus Yuri Petraska. That's a sick fight. Yeah. That's a really cool Czech fight. Republic rage versus Polish power. Exactly. And I'd, I'd, love, to, I'd love to see that fight. I know um, Jan call, called him out, but he then did a second tweet saying, by the way, I'm just being humorous. I'm joking. Yeah. I've promised to fight Glover. Of course, I'm going to fight Glover. But in the meantime, you know... Yuri can fight someone mm. in, in the meantime and then he gets a three-fight win streak. 
He's already currently in the top uh, top five. He has a legitimate claim to go fight uh, Jan Blakovic. He needs to fight Alexander Rakic. And I don't know who I take in that fight because Rakic is incredibly explosive on the feet as well, particularly as leg kicks. Mm -hmm. And those brutal leg kicks could really interfere with Yuri's kind of dynamic and explosive movement where he jumps forwards with flying knees and Superman punches. And it could really be damaging to the kind of the not-so-efficient jumping-around dynamic style of Yiri. So, and, and on the other hand, Yiri is... If he can knock, out, knock out Dominic Reyes, do you really think he can't knock out uh, Alexander Rakic? Mm. No. At light heavyweight, anyone... Uh, most people can... Most people, especially in that top five, can knock out each other. Yes. So, I don't know who I, I would take in that fight, but I do want to see it. That is the yeah. next fight to me. I don't know who I would take either, but one thing I know for sure, in a fight like that, we could show... Yuri being tested because Rakic has fought five rounds before. Mm-hmm. He's gone to the end of those five rounds. Yuri is not some, he's someone he doesn't want to stay. I think he said in the in past fight interview, he doesn't want to go to the rounds. He just wants to get in there and get it finished, which is important. But he follows a kind of, um, uh, I was looking into his history and he read, um, what is it called? Is it the Five Rings book? And it's like yeah, a fo- Mariano Masashi, the Book of Five Rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he talks. He talks along the lines of Bushido, the the yeah, and the art of being almost like a samurai, a warrior. Yeah. And he's really after mastery. And he says, being in there for a long period of time, that's not mastery. Getting in and out, yeah, uh, in the shortest period of time, that's mastery. And uh, I can totally understand that. However. There are questions. If they have not been answered and you haven't been there in the UFC going into the five rounds, there will always be questions of whether or not your ex- particularly explosive style is going to be efficient enough to last in those fourth and fifth rounds, yeah. right? Um, whereas we've seen it with Rakic. When Rakic had to dig deep, he did. He would pressure his opponent up against the cage and hold them there, right? Butcher his legs up, right? Could that be an issue for Yuri? course yeah but i don't know who i take in that fight because i i believe they are closely matched and that's what makes it a banger of a fight when they are closely matched two very young stars and then right absolutely rising prospects like insane yeah i'd love to see that fight it's it's what really but you beg the question really this is what happens when john jones left the uh, light heavyweight division it left all these like new prospects to come up and rise. Yeah. Because if you think about it, if John Jones was still fighting in light heavyweight division, I don't believe any of them would ever be close to his game, depending on where they are right now. Mm. But even though him leaving the division and going trying bumping up to heavyweight, even though his fight's not confirmed, has done a lot for the lightweight division because it's allowed all those lesser people to sort of flourish now that there's this... Uh, new challenge so they got the new yeah. challenge right? so you're trying to say that by john jones leaving the light heavyweight division which is starting to become a bit stale with yeah. his dominance it's allowed rising prospects like like jimmy crute um and even the reemergence of anthony smith yeah uh then it's got you know all different fighters like yeah. we've, we've seen before like alexander rakic um and yuri Vuchaska. so no i agree i agree i i think that I think with John Jones, when he was in the division, he may he was so dominant, but his performance started to become a little bit lacking, and that could be by motivation or when it, when it comes dominance and being a reigning champion like that, who's been doing the longer uh, the longest amount of title fights out of consecutive title fights out of any champion, right? His performance started to become a bit stale, and they started to become a bit forced where. He really just needed to grind out to his decision in order to show he's still better than everyone else, right? And didn't have to push himself or strive for the, for uh, a finish, right? He started just becoming just decisioning people every time. Now that he's left, it's allowed almost like a fresh coat of paint on the light heavyweight division where we start to see these r- rising stars who are fairly young, you yeah. know, between the 25 to 30-year-old range, and they're now showing that there's a different game in the light heavyweight division. And to be honest, I would be scared for John Jones to come back to light heavyweight division because I feel in his absence, 
it really has flourished and the skill level has increased considerably. And I don't know I don't know if he would be ready to get back into the deep end so quickly. Not so quickly. But also one thing that's actually talked about is uh, I was just reading up before I came over here, is the John Jones is the John Jones effect. And they're saying if you look at Anthony Smith, mm. you look at uh what's his name? Thiago Santos and you look at uh, Dominic Raz. Dominic Raz and Thiago Santos have not won bef- since before mm. John Jones. Mm. They've lost all their fights afterwards. Yet they were very close to beating him. Yeah. And then also, uh, what's it called? And uh, what is it? Uh, Anthony Smith. He won, even though he won his last fight, he lost two fights before that. So again, it's the John Jones event. And, and he won by and a, dis- um, a doctor stoppage. And arguably, Anthony Smith could have won the belt against John Jones because of the illegal knee. Yeah. Which is hard because uh and that, that's and that's the point we were trying to make is that it's allowed people to actually reemerge in the light heavyweight division and all these reigning prospects to come through. Yeah. Because if you do look at those performances, right? Tiago Santos fucked his knee up early in the fight but managed to take it to John and it was was, you know, it was a close fight, yeah. right? Then we've got Anthony Anthony Smith as well, and this isn't in any particular order, right? We've got Anthony Smith. He could have beat John Jones, beat him mm-hmm. by by the the DQ, the illegal knee, and he yeah. could have been awarded the belt, right? So that's got to play on your mind, like. And then you've got Dominic Reyes, who we feel beat uh, yeah. beat John Jones, so took to him, really. and took it to him. So you know, those last performances were not considerably great yeah. for someone as high caliber as John Jones. Yeah. So it has allowed the light heavyweight division to grow and these talented prospects to c- come up and reemerge where I would be concerned for John to go back in the deep end, even though he has so much, such considerable amount of talent, athletic yeah. ability. And I think I actually don't, I don't see John actually moving back down to light heavyweight ever again. No, nah, neither do I. Because, well, not even that, but one thing I was actually thinking to myself on the way here is, because you brought up Boo looks like Yuri. Yeah, yeah. Yuri looks like Boo. I reckon John Jones' cell, he sucked all the life out of, you know, out of those previous fighters. Mm. And then you can tell because when cell would suck the life out of people, he gets juiced up. John Jones, he's all juiced up, ready to go in heavyweight. <laughs> so... Ju- juiced up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As it, like, I say that lightly as in he's all... He's, he's yeah, 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 yeah. Stick yeah. and he still hasn't got a fight yet. He's a bit fat now. He's, right? fat. he's a bit fat <laughs> now. He says he wants to um, get a six pack in a month or so. I'm like, Mm. Probably another month or so. Probably about maybe 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 double that because uh, you're looking a bit fat, to be honest. They've had pictures of him out on his lawn with his kids and that, and you can see he's got a bit of a gut. And I was like, oh. Oh. It, uh, you can see he's quite. He, everyone keeps on talking about the amount of size he's putting, like the amount of muscle. He's just eating a lot. You can see he's put on a pretty excess amount of body fat as well yeah. on top of that muscle, and he's a he's a big guy now. He's a big boy. Um, anyway, um, let's talk about uh, the Giga, oh, Giga Chikatsi. Chikatsi versus Cub Swanson. Now, before this fight, you were saying, uh, everyone was saying, oh, Cub Swanson's going to get him. He's a veteran. He's tough as fucking nails. He's got an incredible skill set, highlight knockout. And you were saying to me, Giga's going to, uh, no, nah, Giga's going to get, so Giga's going to. Get him. Yeah. His striking is very good. Yeah, he did. And he probed that route. I wasn't expecting the first round him to just get that strong body kick. Honestly, these Georgian fighters are no joke. Yeah, these Georgian fighters. (laughs) Honestly, they're no joke. Him and and we'll talk about Marab later, but I as soon as I saw Marab versus Cody, I went, Marab's gonna win. He's just gonna he's gonna dominate him. And and that's exactly what happened. Now with Giga, uh he connected with his signature Giga kick, which is uh Left leg kick to the liver. To the liver, yeah. Which and just he actually he took a couple of seconds, stepped back, got down, and then Cub tried to grab his leg to cover up and all that, stay in the fight. And then he, he uh, just walked over to him, swarmed him, swarmed him. And it's just, there's not really too much to go on about that. Well, one. when you crack someone's liver like that, there's not a whole lot you can do. And if anyone wants to actually see how the best, the best liver kicks, uh, there are. You should go and see, watch Pancreas, and you should definitely see Bass Rutan and his liver shots. You can 
tell it's just it's incredible it's incredible pain you could see instantly cub just there was a, there's always a pause in between the liver shot they don't feel it until a, a couple seconds later they have a drop of blood pressure incredible pain right and they just curl up and they're essentially incapacitated that like when you hit someone's liver that hard it's just it's it's lights out and you can't do much about it and um look he, he already knew he's an incredible stand-up fighter but he really took it to cub very quickly uh i believe that was within i think it was close to a minute I think it was within a minute, a minute and a half of the first round. In, in very, very impressive. And now that he's beating Cub, I he's now called out for other other people in the division. I, and I don't know. I don't know who I would like to see Giga fight next. Um, he's obviously. I would expect for Giga, and I would like this to happen. Is he's he hasn't taken much damage. He's only fought. He's only had uh, one or two minutes of octagon time. So uh, actually, he's fought four times. He fought four times last year. No, no, no I'm talking about his fight. He oh, yeah, he, yeah, sorry, yeah, It was within the. F- it was the first round and within oh, okay. the f- first minute, minute and a half. So he's only had one or two minutes of octagon time this year, right? So I would like to see him fight um, someone else very quickly. I want a quick turnaround for him. I want him to fight within the next next month or so. Yeah, uh, I would like to see him again. Doing that. He, he fought yep. four times last year. Active fighter. Yeah, very active fighter. He fought in October and he fought in November as well the next month. He literally fought in less than a month away. So he was pretty much double booked. I and could see him actually doing it in the future. For yeah, sure. if and especially considering now he's 32 and in his prime mm. and he's got an extensive uh, background in glory kickboxing. I can definitely see him getting a ranked opponent next. Because none of his yeah. opponents he has, has fought recently are ranked. They've all been unranked, yeah. And ever since he's been in the UFC, he's been undefeated in the UFC. He's got a couple of losses from other organizations, but ever since he's been in the UFC, he's gone, he's been undefeated. And not even that, but it's only now that he started putting opponents away. His first three fights in the UFC were all by decision. Mm-hmm. His last two are now all of a sudden been by uh first so his last two are now first round knockout slash TKO. Yeah. So yeah, he's definitely building a little bit of hype around himself and that that's exactly what I believe is I, I believe his manager is Ali Abdulaziz. Um, and what he was, tr- I believe he's trying to do with Giga is he's trying to put him, if he can't get a, a ranked opponent, they're going to put up again, an unranked opponent that has some form of hype, some form of a big name and Cubs exactly like that. Most people will, will remember Cub Swanson, um, as he was climbing through the featherweight, uh, rankings. Now, I think it could be over for him now. Look, 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 he's been doing, it's difficult because he's been fighting for such a considerable amount of time, right? Um, I'm not too sure when it comes with Cub, if it's the end for him. I just know that what his manager, Ali Abdulaziz, has tried to do is put Giga up against someone in the division who is unranked but has uh, a noteworthy name. And that's exactly what he's done. He's taken him very quickly out, build up a bit of hype, and this is exactly what they're looking for to, for Giga's next fight is to put him against a ranked opponent. Now, I do need to check the rankings in order to know where I think um, we should put him because the featherweight division has been a little bit funny, actually, recently. Ooh, the lightweight and featherweight are two of the most stacked and just absolute shock wars. Probably one of my favorite divisions out there for sure. Featherweight is just, it's a nice blend between dynamic and fast movement. Mm-hmm. And you can still see really good wrestling and jiu-jitsu and things like that. The The pace is always very high. They can always push out high pace. Yeah. Um, and it's just constant action when it comes to the featherweight and the lightweight division. Mm. Um, what did you think of his performance? Well... There's not really too much to say because he, he went down in the first round. Oh, sorry, Cub. Uh, Cub was uh, 15, so yeah, Giga's number 14. Oh, okay. Um, maybe push him. Whoever's fighting 11 for 12, or maybe try and push him into the top 10. Well, 11's Bryce Mitchell, and number 12's Edson Barboza. Edson Barboza oh, versus Giga Chikatsu would be insane. But Ed, Ed, um, Edson Barboza's fighting Shane Burgos. I know. In the next I know. I know. UFC fight. No. 
That that's what I would I'd love to I love to still see that fight. I mean, Shane Burgos is a really good fight actually to watch. Yeah, that'd be insane as well. Yeah, well, that's the other one thing I can agree with. And what what else? The other thing that I got to put uh, just got we also got to bring up was that not even that, but the fight before um before then, which was Dustin Jacoby versus Iron Kutzlava, was insane. Now Iron Kutzlava he was pissed off after his last uh. Loss to uh, Magomedov, uh, Ankalev. Yes. Yeah. And how, and literally that was the second loss to him because he was so pissed off from the fir- uh, very first one as well mm. when he claims that he was playing possum and he was all right, even though he was absolutely stumbling. I, I thought he was still fine. To be honest, <laughs> I thought he was still fine. I think it was premature for that stoppage. However, Magomed Ankalev is a really good striker. Yeah. And these Dagestanis are no joke. And when he and he properly took out Kudalaba, he, he took him out well. And, and then he took him out again in the se- in, in the second one. Mm. And then um Derek Lewis tweeted, damn, another bad stoppage, even though he was out yeah. cold. He was out cold. Now Kudalaba came into this fight, he was he was so tough on Jacoby in the first round. He was hammering him with all these elbows. He done this really, did this really impressive uh, thing you see with some fighters where they would wrestle and hold him up against the cage, have one hand on their head or their neck, and then use it as like an, um, to distance themselves for an mm. elbow, almost mm. like you see with the one-inch punch, but it was on with the elbow. And he was just constantly hammering him. I think in the first round, Jacoby only threw seven significant strikes to Kutalaba's 48. So what happened was well, you saw a case where the, the, the first round, the distance was so great, mm. but then Jacoby made up for it in rounds two and three because in rounds two and three, he came back, man, and good love. He was breathing hard. He was absolutely against. Uh, yeah, 100%. I definitely agree with the, the judge's decision. And, and uh, it, w- it was a split draw. I would say just draw. But if it's a split draw, it doesn't matter. If it's a draw, no matter what. Because that first round is, I would believe, is a 10-8. Yeah. Because Kudalaba just poured it on him. You could tell that he just he just blew his wad. He blew, he blew his wad yeah. in the first round. Um, did a really good job about against controlling Jacoby up against the, the cage. Jacoby was often crouched over. And Kudalaba... Um, how many take that? I think he got like he got a few. I think he got six of seven takedowns yeah. in, the, in the first round, um, and did really well at just controlling Jacoby, reining in so many punches and elbows up against the cage. Really did it well at controlling him for that whole round. But then you start to see it slowing down, especially in that second round. I really just think he blew his wad. I think he blew his wad in the first round. Tried to take him out in the first first round. It didn't happen. Second, third round. Ten nines to J- Jacoby, yeah. so it, you know it obviously becomes uh, because of that ten eight, it now becomes a becomes a draw, which is a little bit funny, because if you win two rounds to one, you would think that, but because it's a ten eight in the first round, it evens it out. It's that's the problem was using the boxing system, because boxing does not have three rounds; it has eight, ten, twelve, fifteen. So it, that that's the issue with using the boxing scoring. But if we are using that scoring, it was the correct decision. 10-8 in the first round, 10-9s for uh, Jacoby in second and third, comes to a draw. So I would be open to having a rematch of that fight. Otherwise, they can always have a rematch in the fir- in the future after they've had some successive fights. I thought Jacoby was doing very, very well, just, just tough. He's tough durable, and durable. Very durable. Because... There was a noticeable size distance difference between Jacoby and Kutalaba. Mm. Even the commentary um, was saying, geez, how many more shots can he take when he was up against him? And he just slammed him. I thought that one thing, I thought that Iron's uh, wrestling was phenomenal. But then again, it was just this gas tank that held up to him because there was a noticeable size difference between the two. And that's just all that extra mm. oxygen, oxygen that he needs. So it's it's a fa- it was a fair play. I mean, I definitely agree. With the judge's decision, run it back. Next one to talk about is Sean Strickland's fight against Kerstoff Jocko. What do you think about that fight? Well, I was quite impressed with the, with the, the, the pacing of how it went, even though you're saying that when you're not the biggest fan of flat foot boxing. Mm. And I was quite impressed with the output of Sean Strickland because he was picking his shots a lot, lot better. He had a lot more speed. He had a lot more significant strikes as well. Mm. By the end of the fight, Jocko was absolutely gassed out and was pouring blood. Sean Strickland looked like he was barely uh, breaking a sweat. Mm-hmm. So I was really, I was just 
really impressed with his uh, high level of out, uh, uh, not sorry he, he was just not his output but his him his accuracy and he was picking a lot more better shots mm. um, he was considerably a lot quicker than Jotko yeah and he definitely had the power to uh, that suited his range as well and I felt that Jocko was too busy moving around and moving out of range rather than f- and he was I think he was very focused on what Strickland was doing and not so much what he was doing and um, look the issue also was he was just getting caught you know there were some bits where he would be in range hit, um, make his shots come back out of range and bef- and as he would come out of range Strickland would would catch him yep. he would catch him and you know the volume of strikes just, just continued to to go up from there. So Jocko actually, the amount of, st- he actually threw slightly more strikes than Strickland. However, Strickland just, the, in time in terms of striking accuracy, Strickland just it was way, way better uh, in terms of striking accuracy than Jocko. With Strickland, yes, I'm not too much of a fan of his flat-footed style. He's got a very short stance. Uh, it's not very dynamic. It's very stubborn and 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 slow. However, the dude is very durable, and he's got really good fast hands. His that 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 overhand right, crisp. It's so fast. It's and especially his jab as well. It's very very quick. So when it comes to that, his a lot of his straight punches have a lot of power. It's just the only thing I can see with him is he's not incredibly dynamic with his movement. He's very, uh, he just just simply just walks forward. Yeah. And um, I think that works against someone like Jotko who that doesn't have the power to take you out. However, with someone who is a lot more dynamic and able to move around and has the power, uh, he will meet someone that is just quicker and faster than him and his style just won't work. That's what I think, anyway. But I do think it was a it was a good fight. Um, look, I'm not too sure with Sean Strickland what what could be his his next fight. I know he's been called out by previous other fighters. Um, I'm not too sure who, who do you think because Sean is in the top fifteen, I believe. I think he's the he's, he's number so, he's number fifteen. Some, yeah, number fifteen. Well, that's good. If you get into the rank position, that's a Definitely a po- um, it's definitely a win on its own. I don't think that he should go anywhere near the top ten just as of yet. Because I'm pretty sure Sean Strickland's quite new. Um, no, he hasn't been. That he's been around for a long time. He he fought uh, in U- at UFC one seventy one. So oh, he's okay. been around for a long time. So he's he's okay. just uh, it's just taken him a lot of time. He's been a little bit uh, up and down. Yeah. So but the thing is with Sean Strickland, the only losses he's have have been considerably decent fighters like Kamara Usman. Um, and Zaleski Dos Santos, who's oh, a, okay. who's a great striker as well, who's very dynamic. So, look, he's very very good at what he, what he what he does, right? But I think that in order for him to get better and be able to rise to the top fifteen, he's got to be a little bit more dynamic with his movement. That's what I think is holding his back. I think his striking is good. He's got really fast hands, but that could also be just due to his fast athletic ability. He's very much a fast twitch fighter and perhaps maybe moving forward like this is just him his way of conserving energy. I get it. But I felt like Jocko was very good at getting in and out of range. Strickland was just a better and faster athlete and I think that's what caused him to get the win. Um, with Strickland, one of his previous wins was against Brendan Allen and uh, he knocked out Brendan Allen. Um, that was on the failed of a st- to a rough, uh, Javier De Santos card. And um, recently, he's actually been called out again by Brendan Allen. Brendan Allen uh, came coming off a win recently in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And Brendan actually said, I want to get back. I want to beat Sean again because I think that was a fluke win for Sean. I want to see that. I want to beat him. So I could see that being a, I could see that being a, a fight in the future. Um, I'm not too sure with Sean who he could fight next. But I do think it was a very good performance. It was definitely a, a fan-friendly bout being on... It was my, I don't there were no takedowns at all. No. There was no takedowns, um, no takedowns defended anything like that. Um, so it was they just wanted to stand and trade, and I think that Strickland was essentially the better and faster athlete, and that what's caused him to beat Jocko. Uh, but I do think that if Strickland finds someone who has a lot more dynamic movement than Jocko and uh, and has a lot more power. 
and as on top of wrestling ability, that flat-footed stance that he has just isn't going to work. Mm. Which is why I believe it. I don't believe it worked against someone like Kamara Usman. Yeah. Um, so Murab. Yes. Well, I, I dude, I'm so high on Murab. I, I think he's he's so good when it comes to just like. I, I'm he's not. Got, I'm he's, not got the gr- he's just got the ground game just nailed down. He's, he's got the ground game. He's worked on his striking. You could see against Cody, he was doing very well. But the main thing I think with Marab that makes him do so well and flows onto his wrestling is his pace. His cardio is insane. I know it was only three rounds, right? But he's so fucking he's good. Fun, yeah, he, he's really good at transitioning from the foot from standing up to the ground. He's like he's got two individual uh, you know, two his two skill sets. They're very uh, even now, becoming evenly matched. I mean, because one thing I like is he loves to display that he's a black belt in judo, mm. and then he just puts uh, Cody on the ground. Then Cody couldn't have, didn't even have a chance to defend it standing up. Pushes him up against the cage, puts him on the ground, and then he switches to uh, he switches his positions really, really well. Mm. His transitions are very, very smooth, and then really good takedown defense as well. Yeah. So whenever Cody would try and uh, play at his own game, Marab just knew exactly what to do. Well, everything... Like, Cody actually hit him with a few good shots, right? Yeah. And it obviously didn't rock Marab, but you can tell Marab, he's got a solid chin. Cody can knock you out with these punches, right? Mm-hmm. Marab did so, so well. He landed over 100 strikes more than Cody in mm-hmm. that bout, right? On top of that, he got... He tr- attempted 11 takedowns and got, f- and got five. Now, I yeah. know that... You know, it might sound not like a whole lot, but during that fight, his pace is insane. He's constantly going, constantly moving, constantly, and he's always mixing up his strikes. As soon as the striking's not working, takes them down. And then his ground pound on top of that was was really good as well. This fight reminded me a lot of the Islam Makachev versus Coat um versus I would I would agree. Yes, versus Drew Dober. Yeah. There was a lot of similarities between the two. Mm-hmm. We talked about it before, like the these these are, you know, these fights that come from that Russian area, you know, mm. Dagestani, Georgia, all these other countries that surround, you know, Ukraine. They come in with that solid grappling background. So they got one part of the game really much almost nailed down. Mm-hmm. And then they just have to really put on a really dominant striking display. Mirab's sort of ahead when it comes to that striking, striking display. In the past, he's known to really enjoy using his spinning back fists and his spinning back elbows. And again, it's just... I think what we're seeing now in the UFC is USA-style wrestling versus like that Russian-style ru- mm-hmm. wrestling, and there's like a little trade-off between, like a little standoff between the two. Right now, I, I think these Russian wrestlers, I think they're really, really coming out. Well, he's Georgian. Georgian. I mean, that's, you know what I mean, but around that Very, area. It's so, so, yeah, that, so close. That Eastern Bloc area. Yeah. yeah, and I think with Marab, and I, I've been... Like when Marab got into the UFC and before he cracked at the top fifteen, I already was a fan of him, right? And I and I was always a, a really big fan of his takedowns. Mm-hmm. He's so efficient, he's so fast. But the main thing I'm a, um I really like about him, cardio and his pace. Mm-hmm. With that, it, it, there was no difference between output in from the first round to the third round. He just it's consistent. Obviously, he did way more takedowns, I think, I believe, in the first round. However, most of his strikes were at distance, right? Not, whole, not a whole lot. But it, the same thing goes for Cody. Not a whole lot was thrown in the clinch. Not a whole lot was thrown on the ground. It was mainly Marab controlling him on the ground. If they got back up, Marab had the ability and the pace just to, just to pressure Cody as much as he could. And that's what he did. Consistently walked forward and just pushed them down. The... The, the issue I see with Marab is that, and I know it's not nice to say negatives, is Cody, the moments where Cody did well is when he pushed Marab up against the cage and had Marab on the back foot. Marab is really good at going forward. He's really good at taking people down. He's got incredible cardio and strong chin. However, he's not so good on the back foot, right? If someone's able to put Marab on the back foot and make him uncomfortable and moving backwards... He does not like that, and he does it does not play to his strengths very well, and that's what you can see. So I could see that as a weakness that could be exploited in the future. Marab mm-hmm. would have to just tighten up that hole, which is when he's able to do counters on the back foot. The moments where, and I know he beat, it was all, I would believe, 10 nines across all three rounds, right? 
But with Cody, the moments where Cody did really well against Marab was when he pushed him up, um, up towards the cage and consistently pressured him and constantly put a pace on him. He just does not have the pace that Marab does. And the conditioning that Marab has, I think, is one of the best in, in, in the bantamweight division. Now, I know that he says, look, um, I believe he's top 12 now. He's beat Cody Stammen. Mm. Now, who can he fight next? He asked for Dominic uh, Cruz or another big name. He also had been saying, look, this is an unranked fighter, but before I was in the, even in the top 15, I'd been asking for this fight. He asked for Sean O'Malley. Um, now, I don't know if that's going to occur. I believe, sh- I believe well, Sean, Sean O'Malley o- is not kind of training much right now. He's hanging out with uh, Jake Paul and his gang. Yeah, well, uh, well, Sean's actually um, got a fight coming up. Now, they haven't released, but there, there's a little bit of thoughts on who it's going to be, but it's no one in the top 15. Yeah. So it does not make uh, sense for Marab to then offer his spot to an unranked opponent, especially someone with a lot of height like Sean. Um, I do expect him to fight someone in the top 10. And I know he asked for Dominic Cruz. That's a good, That's fight. A good fight. And I think Marab takes it. Yeah, I think I Marab beats. I think Marab beats Dominic Cruz. I reckon he does. I reckon he probably beat him by submission as well. Mm, I, I don't know about the submission, but I definitely think you could grind out to a decision because yeah. Dominic Cruz is very good on his feet. However, if you chop up his legs, he becomes a lot more human. Mm-hmm. That superhuman movement that he has, his main advantage starts to fall away. Uh, and then if you take him down, now I know he's very good on the ground in terms of wrestling, right? I just think Marab's style of wrestling just fits so well. And uh, I spe- on top of the black belt and judo as well. So I think uh, I think Marab, that fight that he's asked for for Dominic Cruz, I think he, he could get it. And I think uh, I think he could beat Dominic Cruz. I think Marab could quite easily become in the top five quickly. I think he's so good. I I'm, I think he's incredibly well-rounded and I think uh, his his pace is his main advantage. I think his cardio is so good. And uh, he's, although that some a lot of his fights go to decision, uh, he's incredibly interesting to watch. So I, I'm more than happy to see him be in the top 10 yeah. very quickly. For the future. I mean, he's still new to sport, uh, to the UFC. So I reckon one more fight against Dominic Cruz and then I reckon... Bust into the top 10. Mm. He's already holding records for most takedown attempts in the bantamweight division. Yes. So, anyway, moving on to Andy, uh, the boxing now. Andy Ruiz versus Chris Ariola. Uh, mm. What did you think of that fight? I was... Sorry, every time you say Chris Ariola, I'm like, Because huh. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just find that Ariola funny name. Um, look, I expected Andy Ruiz to... He just... He looked very different physically. I think he dropped yeah. about 30 pounds. Um which was which good for him, you know. Which is good for him. He obviously looked a lot leaner and uh, a little bit s- smaller, a right? Bit more. He even looks a little bit quicker as well. Looked a little bit more agile. If you lose a little bit of weight, obviously the speed is going to increase, and if speed increases, excuse me, our power will increase as well. Um, I n- understand that people weren't too sure by the scorecards. I think it was a lot more closely. Uh, I think the rounds were a little bit closer than the judges yeah. put out there, right? I yeah. think it was a bit silly, s- the amount of rounds that they scored towards uh, Andrew Ruiz Jr. However, I th- thought he did very well to bounce back. Um, well, he took the first round, obviously, but the second and third was when Ariola uh, dropped him. And yeah. uh, dropped him in the third round, but that he, I believe he was kind of rocked in that yeah. second round. He looked vulnerable. He definitely looked vulnerable. And uh, but then fourth round onwards, it was a much more closely contested fight, and I think I think Andy Ruiz did win. I don't think it was as closely. I, I th- I'm sorry. I believe it was more closely matched than the scorecards let out to be, and I think boxing can just be like that. Sometimes. Well, I liked it because it was a very very evenly matched fight. Mm. They they had very very similar styles because they're both Mexican boxers, and. The way they were both both very similar in height as well and reach, mm. so I I understand where the frustration is coming from. And Chris Ariola in the um in the post fight interview even said that the judges can suck his dick because he actually believes that he won fairly won the fight. Mm-hmm. And if I went back and I, w- I watched watched it again, I thought, okay, I see where the argument's coming from because 
they don't really, let's say if you rock somebody in a fight, mm-hmm. they don't really, they sort of score it as a significant punch. It's not really scored as a knockdown because a knockdown's only scored if you know they had a free point of contact. Uh-huh. So that's really why I, I reckon where the argument's coming from. So then again, you've got to judge the effects of these punches. Like, oh, if he, if he gets hit and he stumbles and he stumbles back, is what? Is that point? Is, does that punch have it? Uh, have Any a more significance yeah. than the other ones? I yeah, get correct. It. I get it. So that's where the arguments come through. But Andy Ruiz, he had a game plan though, and he stuck to it, and I think that was really well. He was using the middle of the cage really, really well, and there was a lot more movement than if you compared to the fight he had against Anthony Joshua. His movement was just so much better mm. than that Anthony Joshua Joshua fight, and I can tell him losing the weight was so much more uh was it so much more uh better for him and not even that but his output was a lot higher and his efficiency was a lot higher but again it was just a close to even match but thing is Fendi is because he's he needs to come back from his loss to Andrew Joshua where you know he had everything and then he kind of lost it and then you know got rid of his trainer and all that so there's a big switch up mm-hmm. i feel like Andy Ruiz needs to have a rematch with Chris before he can move on to something bigger and then Last but not least, I've got to give hats off to both of those men because that was a really, really enjoyable boxing fight to watch. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. And I, I like that kind of Mexican-style fighting where it's a high volume and high output. Trying to give the crowd as much as they can. Yeah. Um, I know that Ruiz, after it said, look, I'm open for, for a rematch, and I think he's trying to do right by a fellow Mexican warrior like Chris Areola. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people have also said that they're considering, you know, they're considering the thought of maybe an Andy Ruiz Jr. versus um, Deontay Wilder. And that would be that would be an amazing fight. I think that is what was the image. If he could just steamroll through Areola, but it wasn't that easy. What it was a difficult fight. So the I think Ruiz is looking for more ring time, and that means he's very much open to getting the rematch and just doing justice by uh, a fellow Mexican as well. But I could I could definitely see him having a rematch with Ariola and then afterwards fighting fighting Deontay Wilder. Yeah, I can definitely see. Because Deontay Wilder hasn't fought since his loss to uh was it to Gypsy King. Now mm. Gypsy King's calling out uh what's his call what is it calling out Francis Agarnu? Mm. And I'm like <laughs> no thank you. Because if you think I don't want it to happen. The reason why I don't want it to happen is because everyone's saying uh, Nagano's got one punch knockout power. Yeah, in four ounce gloves, you know who else has got one punch knockout power? Deontay Wilder with a forehead punch. Come on, guys! Like it's, it's, uh, it's weird when I've seen all these UFC fans. Oh yeah, Francis Nagano wiped the floor with uh, Tyson Fury. I'm like, no. Tyson Fury is a phenomenal, phenomenal boxer who's known for knocking out guys with one punch power. So, I mean, I, think it's gonna I mean, if Deontay Wilder couldn't beat Tyson Fury, what makes you think that the larger non-boxer mm-hmm. can? Now, I know that Francis Ngannou has one punch knockout power. We know that. We know he's incredibly ath- athletically gifted. We know that. But the thing is. I- I- Although he came into combat sports to be a boxer, not to be an MMA star, mm-hmm. right? MMA is his home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know he wants to do boxing in the future. I think that's brilliant, right? I definitely want to see that, right? But Tyson Fury would be able to knock people out with four-ounce gloves, as Ken Francis Ngani <laughs> and Deontay Wilder, right? So... I don't think that diminishes Francis Ngannou's power, but I do feel like with Deontay, uh, with uh, sorry, with Francis Ngannou's win uh, over Stipe and his you know large resume of first round uh, finishes, I think they place a little bit too much on Francis Ngannou's power, mm-hmm. um, and they really should be thinking about the skill level of Tyson Fury because that is the best of the best in terms of heavyweight boxing. And uh, yeah, it's just obviously scary move because Francis Ngannou, look, first and second round, yeah, fucking scary. Yeah. Really fucking scary. Um, Wild swings, but then again, you got Tyson Fury's absolute slick head movements and dodging. His ability that, to box that, that, that's just when the science, the science takes over. Yeah. When, you, when you take away 
other limbs like kicking and, and, and elbows and you're able to work in the clinch and be able to take people down and things like that and and dominate them in other ways. Look, it's 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 different. When you take away all those other elements of the game and you leave it just to working with the hands mm-hmm. and the inability to kind of work in the clinch, the sweet science of boxing just takes over and that's just how it happens. Uh, Francis, uh, that the same thing. We, uh, same thing could be said when it came to the Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor fight. Floyd will win in a boxing fight. Conor will win in an MMA. Yeah. Francis Agano will win, win in MMA. Tyson Fury will win in boxing. Exactly. So that the same thing can be said. So I don't see that being a, a thing happening in the future, right? Um, would I watch it? Fuck yes, yeah, I would. I would but that. I would take Tyson Fury. Even though I'm a huge MMA fan, I love Francis Ngannou, I love his story. Um, that's just when the sweet science of boxing prevails. And obviously Tyson would open as the heavy favorite. But uh, yeah, I just, I don't know if it will come to fruition. If Even if it did, uh, I would take Tyson Fury all day. For a massive payday. Perhaps. 100%. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, when we were watching the uh, UFC 261, uh, an old familiar face was in the crowd. Surprisingly happy as well. You yeah. don't really see uh, Nick Diaz um, smiling so much. Yeah, because normally, what is it, him and the UFC do not have a good run together. And I know he's got an even worse run with the Nevada State Athletic Commission. For you know, for those of you who don't know, Nick Diaz was the fighter who got banned for a few years and fined a massive amount of money. I can't remember the amount, but it was because of uh, the use of marijuana in his system. Which then again we've talked about on this podcast before. The suspension got um, reduced considerably. Reduced, yes, it's because he appealed it. But since then he hasn't fought. Now, if you can just look up, when was the last time Nick Diaz fought? It's been a while. It's been a long time. It's been um, a while. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. Twenty fifteen. So something seven like that. Seven years. He hasn't fought in seven years. Let me check. Let and me I'm check. I'm pretty sure check. his last fight was against Anderson Silva. Quite positive. It was Anderson Silva. Anyway, so the point here was in the crowd for UFC 261, and Dana said, oh, yeah, he is looking for a fight. So really, we were trying to figure out who. Now, here's Twi- 2015. 2015. Against Anderson Silva, got overturned. Um, and prior to that, he has two losses, George St. Pierre and Carlos Condit. Now, um, look, it, I want him to come back. Yeah. I think he looks incredible. I think it, the sad thing about Nick Diaz is when he was in his prime and he had his best days, that's when kill. his that's when his fighting career kind of stopped. He yep. kind of lost the best years of his career because he never came back to fighting following the following the suspension, right? Yep. And I don't I think it left a really sour taste in his mouth. Already had issues with the UFC anyway and with USADA. But USADA attempted to use Nick Diaz kind of as a an example, a yep. big marker, hey, we don't we don't you know, we don't in enjoy that people are taking the taking the mick out of our our guidelines, our legislation, our rules by being positive to marijuana and not think that they can they, they can scrape by. You know, they mm. but now that marijuana is not an issue anymore, now it's completely different. So look I understand that Diaz was very disappointed by USADA's decision, but the the issue was he was talking a lot about, you know, coming back and he never did. Now, I don't know. I I think Nick Diaz has done the right thing. Nate's already being active. He's fighting. Mm. Now we've got Nick and Nick has actually came to Dana and asked for a fight. Yeah. Now, Nick's management has actually said, no, we don't want the Hamza Chamaya fight because he has not done enough to actually deserve that fight. But I do know there are two people that come to mind that I think would be great. Right, the first one that comes to mind is someone who also wants to come back. This would be an amazing thing for nostalgia. Is uh, an English commentator named Dan Hardy. He's been asking for the Nick Diaz fight for quite a fair bit, and I want to see that fight back. Now, the only issue with with uh, that fight occurring is he hasn't. He's not on good terms right now with the UFC. He's been cut from fire from the UFC, actually. Yes, he's he's been five and he actually is doing work for one championship yeah, actually yeah. At, at the moment. Yeah. Uh, he's doing breakdowns for that as well as he's still working with BT Sport, but it, there, there's been issues with yeah. with what happens with that. I, there was a disagreement with a fellow worker, blah, blah, blah. but 
but it doesn't matter. Well, the thing what we're trying to say is Dan Hardy has been openly saying he wants to fight again. He really wants a, a, to have a comeback fight. And um, he is, the only roadblock in his way is he has been diagnosed with, I believe it's with a, uh, an arrhythmia with yeah. his heart, which is what took yeah. him out of fighting, right? But he's now been cleared by um, a doctor and that doctor said, look, I will sign off for you. You're, you're able to fight. And Dan Hart has been left with a little bit of resistance. Well, if not resistance, a little bit of suspicious silence. Mm. Um, the second person that comes to mind, Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler, for, former champion, number 14 in the division, uh, this would be a rematch because Robbie actually uh, lost to Nick back at UFC 47. Yeah, so, so it's a rematch in the making. Yes, and uh, I want to check actually how long ago was UFC 47. That's a con- uh, ba- that was back in 2004. Yeah. Ooh. That is a long time yeah, ago. a long time. Well, it's because he needs to fight someone of that same area, same caliber, same perhaps similar age. Imagine having a rematch 17 years later. Yeah. That's insane. Well, that's the thing. Not even that, but that was a situation of Chris Wyman versus Uriah Hall. That was a rematch quite a few 11 years. years. 11 years in the making. So why not? And it was a classic too. Uh, Unfortunately, what happened to Chris Wyman. But one one rematch, uh, sorry, not rematch, but one fight I would like to see for Nick Diaz would probably be against Jorge Masvidal. Now, because Jorge Masvidal's fought Nate, you know, and then Nick could just come in and be like, hey, you fought, you beat, you fought my little brother, let's get the other mm. Diaz, you know, mm. and that would be a good fight to sell because, you know, ba- from both, based on where they're both from, you know, they have that similar background, you know, they're considered like the gangsters of the division and why not? Because yeah, I, I do, underst- I do understand that. It's just, shit out of that it's, it's just like it doesn't leave a good taste for the Diaz, like kind of army because... Nick has been out of the sport for a really long period of time. That's that's six years, right? That's the sport is so fast yeah. growing and evolving. If he jumps back in to fight a top five fighter like Jorge, who just fought for the title, mm-hmm. yes, he got knocked out, but he there was a lot of people that believed that he had, you know, the ability to knock out Usman at some point in, in the cage. For him to come back six years later and to fight, I believe Jorge is number three in the rankings. Yes. I uh, look. I don't. I don't know if that's the right move. To be honest, I, I can see him fighting someone in the top fifteen or the top ten, but top five is. Uh, it's just dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's just really dangerous. Sorry, Jorge is number five because yeah. he's dropped in the rankings, yeah. but. Um, Excited that Nick's coming back, but I want Nick to fight someone who's a little bit uh, lower in the rankings, I think. Still a big name, and I would love to see a rematch. A rematch with Robbie Lawler, 17 years in the making. Robbie's uh, on a four-fight losing streak, and it's a good way for them to actually see if Robbie can still hang with the hang with people like Nick. Yeah. So Anyway, so next point we're going to bring up. Unfortunately, it's going to be the last one before I get out of here. Uh, it's just announced Korean Zombie versus Dan Ige. Mm. Now, I am super pumped for this fight because, well, Dan Ige is just getting better and better. Yeah, Dynamite and Dan's doing really well. He's he's changed a lot. He's gotten so much more fluid, so much more quicker. Against Korean Zombie, the guy who is known for putting on fucking spectacular performances, spectacular shows, the first guy to perform a twister. Mm-hmm. Uh, perform it, sorry, a twister submission, and then we know that's not an easy submission to pull off. And then Danny Gay is just putting people away right now. I mean, he won his last fight in the first round, and then so I think it's a great fight. Um, who who do I take for this one? I mean, I love Korean Zombie, but I feel like Danny Gay's just gotten better and better. And Korean Zombies, you know, he's like a win one, lose one, win two, lose two, all that sort of thing. And then I believe that it'll probably be Danny Gay, but I reckon it'll be by decision because I just know Korean Zombie is not the easy guy, the easiest guy to put out at all. Um, with Korean Zombie, look, if he beat Ortega, he would have been on a three-fight win streak, mm-hmm. beating you know Frankie Edgar, um, Hanada Masiano. These are top-level fighters, right? I know uh, Frankie Edgar's now moved down to bantamweight, but you know, even at Bantamweight, he's number seven at the moment. 
Korean Zombie doesn't get as much respect as I think he should. It's just the the issue for me is when he had when he was unable to fight for the UFC because he took his opportunity um, because there was a due date for when he's got to enlist in the South Korean Army. I think you every every South Korean has to join the army and and do a certain amount of time public service. I think the public service is what four years as well. Four years and it's um. Any time before you're 30, you have yeah. to enlist. So he had to, he kind of pushed it back because of his fighting career, but he had to do it anyway. Taking uh, around four years out of the sport is very difficult. But when he came back, he was still able to fight with some of the best. Yeah. I, I think that someone like Korean Zombie still has a few more, a few more Ks in there. 34 yeah. years old. Yeah. Uh, I think... It's just a really fun fight, to be honest. He's because just a beloved fighter. He's one of those fighters, even though he's a journeyman, mm. he's he's not a pushover though. No. He's very beloved with fans. He hasn't had really any problem, uh, any any situations. I mean, he was uh, he he was very he's very respectable, very humble. He's got a phenomenal skill set. And I don't know if I would call him a journeyman. He's number four in the ranking still. He's always been in the in the top ten. Okay, I don't so know if gatekeeper. I'll, I'll call him a gatekeeper. Because we love him, but do you see him winning a title? I don't see him winning a title. I see him being a title contender. Okay, perhaps. Okay, all right. Because he's th- if he's thirty four, let's say he wants to he wants to continue until thirty eight. He's still got four years in the UFC. Okay. If he continues to build up a bit of a uh, a win streak, you could see him being a title contender, eliminator, or something like that, which is typically what he does. He's typically a title contender, eliminator. I wouldn't call him a gatekeeper or, or anything like that. I just, the unfortunate thing is he's been around for such a long period of time. I feel like the rising stars are starting to show that they their time has come. And I think that's exactly what Dan Ige is. You know, his his only only loss of, of recent is Calvin Cater. Other than that, he continues to steamroll through everyone. Um Definitely a big jump in competition for Dan Ige because Dan Ige is number eight in the rankings, Korean Zombie number four. So if Dan Ige can beat Korean Zombie, he's already in the top five and he can start to be a title contender eliminator. So look, uh, Dan Ige is doing really well. I can see like his, his power is, I don't know what he's been doing. He's only 29 years old, so he's only going to get better. Yeah. And that's why I picked Dan Ego over yeah. Korean Zombie. Even though I love the South Korean fighters, I feel like Korean Zombie isn't a gatekeeper by f- and I feel like he's got more juice in the tank. Especially when I think of that Yoye Rodriguez fight. If that freak KO didn't occur, he would have beat Yoye Rodriguez and yeah. he would have had a even higher ranked fight after that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he's just been unlucky with his performances, that's all. Yeah. But I still take Dan Ige because younger more faster. Faster. He's, he's, he's just part of the new breed of yeah. the, the featherweights, I think. And I think uh, if something doesn't change with Korean Zombie's game, I know he's very well-rounded, especially with his qualifications as a martial artist, but if something doesn't change with Korean Zombie like significantly, I could see Dan Ige just continuing to climb and b- improving and being better. So... I would take Danny again in that fight. I know it occurs in about in uh, in June, mm. so it was a little bit away, but uh, I'm excited for that fight. I think Danny Gay beats Korean Zombie. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a for me. It will probably be by knockout in the one of the last round or two or decision. Do you really think so? Because Korean Zombie's got an impressive chin, or do you think it's deteriorated? Uh, slow. Uh, mm, it's not that I don't think it's deteriorating. It's just I feel like Dan Ige's power will sort of override it. You know what I mean? Mm. Because if if Yair Rodriguez can knock him out, then so do I believe that also Danny Gay possibly can. And just the way that I've seen Danny Gay just improve lately is just... You could make that same kind of... But if you were to flip it on Brian Ortega, Brian Ortega could could have knocked out Korean Zombie, but it never happened. And that went across five rounds. Mm -hmm. Yes, he was dominated by Ortega, but he had his moments as well. So I... I see this being a decision by Dan Ige. Mm-hmm. I don't see it being a knockout. I think that Korean Zombie has a, has had plenty of time off. I mean, his last knockout was Yoye Rodriguez, mm-hmm. and his previous and 
and then his loss before that was back in 2010 by knockout. So that's a long time ago. For, so I feel like for someone who's known for having a strong chin, who's had uh, a good bit of time off as well, I think that his chin will hold up fine and I think it will be by decision. Or who knows, because uh, I think Danny is just really growing into his own and becoming a more powerful striker. So we will have to see. But I take, take Danny go by decision. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Unfortunately, that's all we got time for uh, right now. But mm -hmm. if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to the channel. Mm -hmm. Also, please sure to follow us on Instagram as well. And then also, guys, um, we are releasing clips almost pretty much release clips almost every week. And we're at least now doing at least one interview per week. So please make sure you stay on tune for that. Uh, we always release the audio version first before we release the video visual, which you can be found on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes. All right. All good? Yeah, sounds brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. And don't forget to subscribe. Always love um, talking to our subscribers in the comment section as well. So even just tell us you've subscribed and, and, and have a chat with us. We're always... Uh, happy to connect. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate the support. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.